0: For those customers who live in the Guatemala area, welcome home. For those of you who are just visiting, we wish you a pleasant stay. On behalf of your crew and everyone on Team Frontier, thank you for traveling with us today. There's a little lull in the traffic, so I'll do my intro, and then I'm getting the hell out of here. This is Guatemala, welcome along. My name is Vinny, I'm on a mission to get to 100 countries, this is country 92, I can't believe it's 92, uh, and I'll be going through it soon. I'll also be going overland uh, with hopefully quieter vehicles to explore Guatemala and ultimately heading into Belize, which will be country 93. So stay tuned, my name is Vinny and we are about to discover Guatemala and Belize in Central America together. just arrived in the airport, um, like a lot of Central American countries, the capital's a bit crap, bit dirty, bit dangerous, and all the fun stuff, or the more fun stuff, I should say, is, hang on, <coughs> the fumes are getting to me, Ugh. is it outside the capital. I think the same is true of, in, in Nicaragua, the capital Managua is a bit shit. Uh, I've heard that in Honduras, the capital Tegucigalpa, even though it's fantastic to say, is a bit shit. So let's get out of this capital, Guatemala City, and we're going to Antigua. Antigua is a beautiful old city that dates back way before the Spanish got here. In fact, it used to be the capital. And I dare say, as a result, it's got some fantastic history. It is properly old. Let's go to Antigua. I'm gonna jump in a cab now with some other random people that were herded together in the airport, all looking lost, cheapish, and confused. A man, a loud man with a clipboard, the sort of men that make the world go around shouting, do you want to go to Antigua? We all individually said yes, and then he made a bit of money out of us by sticking us all in one cab. That's fine, sounds like a good business plan to me. So, getting in a cab now to get to Antigua, and I will talk at great length about this beautiful country, and we will discover it together. So far, tuk-tuks, stray dogs, very loud cars, lots of motorbikes, people without helmets, there's an ad in the distance for Gayo, which is, I believe, it's the Guatemalan beer, isn't it? I think I've had it in Nicaragua, but I can't remember. Either way, I'll, um, I'll test it for you. It's the least I can do. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Anyway, it's got a picture of a, a chicken on the front. A male chicken, I presume, because pollo is chicken. Gayo must be cock. But let's not do childish jokes about that. We're way bigger than that. Boo beans! <laughs> Right, let's get out of here and hit the road to Antigua. It should take a couple of hours. That place, founded in 1543, some of the buildings are still there. It's now a World Heritage site from our old buddies, UNESCO, and, uh, as I say, it used to be the capital. I've got some local currency. It's Quetzals, Quetzals. and my first interesting fact about this country is that Quetzals, the currency, Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L, Uh, It's actually the name of a bird that you find here in Guatemala. And here's a great fact for you, do you know why you pay in quetzals? Why you pay in birds? Because when you go way back, before the Spanish got here, the early peoples, the Mayans that were living around here, they used to trade, not in birds, that would be a bit mental and very difficult to fit in your wallet, but they did trade in quetzal feathers. Uh, I'm not sure how much a quetzal is yet, so I'll work it out. Anyway, I must get out of here, it stinks. I'm on Country 92, on my quest to get to 100. It's starting to feel really real. This is Country 92, Guatemala, and I'll be going overland into Country 93, Belize. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to Antigua de Guatemala. Antigua de Guatemala. Guatemala. Uh, otherwise known as the Antigua of Guatemala, um, which I think is a slightly longer name than is necessary. I don't know why they didn't just call it Antigua. I mean, there is a Caribbean island called Antigua, but the chances of anyone muddling them up are pretty remote. It's not like if you got on a bus at Guatemala City and said, can I go to Antigua? They'd go, well, I assume that you mean the Caribbean island. I'll drop you there in three to four days. So here we are. I'm just going to call it Antigua. It is one of the tourist attractions of Guatemala, and I can see why. Three absolutely massive bastard volcanoes, one in particularly huge, omnipresent, always looking down at the town below. A grid structure looks a bit like a lot of other Central American towns. Spanish came through here, did their thing. What did they do? They're very good at town squares, aren't they, the Spanish? Um, All these years later, always still the place where people go to hang out, catch some shade buy some hammocks and have a beer Um, outside of those squares of course the uh, thing you always find big cathedrals and with much of latin america as well many of them crumbling and degradated which i think is the real charm of these places who wants to go to a squeaky clean place i don't need california in my life i like a bit of rough and (laughs) reddit As you look down over these very cobbled streets and lots of terracotta roofs uh, of ancient, I'd say, mostly, tiles uh, that are uh, adorning the roofs. And a lot of the buildings that are completely crumbled to death did so because, as with uh, so many of these places, the same story in the 1700s, a giant bastard of an earthquake came through here when you get volcanoes you get tectonic plates when you get tectonics play shifting every now and then you get yourself a huge earthquake so it's never really entirely been rebuilt in its form of beauty but I would argue again that is kind of the charm a degradated, somewhat dilapidated, slightly dusty, cobbled town that's been painted in hundreds of different shades and has a real bit of character to it. And, of course, if I was recording this downtown, you'd hear all the car horns and chickens and madness that you get in Latin America. I love it! If you're coming to Guatemala, I would say probably, yeah, don't bother with Guatemala City. Try and arrive early or midday-ish and just get the fuck out of there because... Uh, you don't really want to be there it's a bit rough, there's not much to see touristically, the history's kind of gone um, due to various earthquakes, get yourself to Guatemala City and get out get yourself to Antigua, it's a couple of hours by dodgy old rickety bus Uh, I say that, i got a cab Um, but I did get in with some random people, which uh, not very chatty, I'll be honest not very chatty driver loved a chat, didn't wear a seatbelt the whole way of course, and he was on his phone nearly the whole way, including whatsapp where he was doing some very intense texting at speed, uh, he liked to chat sometimes, but um, the random people not so much, I don't even know where they were from actually, anyway who cares, I just took a little walk around town and saw some uh, absolutely exquisite old convents, and um, that that have been used for various things since there have been convents. One of them was a convent, then it was a prison, uh, then it was a winery, uh, and now it's just a tourist site. The roof's gone, um, but that hasn't stopped them putting around uh, lots of very bright and really in-your-face plants. So you've got this sort of dilapidated, old, crumbling architecture, all the history, and yet loads of punchy, really beautiful potted flowers and terracotta bowls oh, I can't even, I'm not very good at describing stuff like this, I hope you get the meaning I mean really, I suppose one of the points in this podcast is it wets your palate and then you go if that absolute chump can do it I can get on a plane and do the same thing so come here, Antigua it will absolutely fiddle your diddle and it's absolutely brilliant I'm going to go downtown um, and have a couple of beers and have a little wander around um, jet lag's kicking in I went to bed at 9.30pm and got up at 7.30am. Not my usual pattern, but funnily enough, not that different to a lot of towns here in Latin America. They tend to go to sleep when it gets dark and uh, get up when it gets light. Pretty simple body clock stuff, but, um, but there is some nightlife. There's a good buzz here as well if you want it. Lots of tourists and lots of people capitalizing on the uh, many people that come through here. If you go to Guatemala, you're kinda gonna end up here, and I can absolutely see why beautiful old Spanish squares, and as I say, lots of different colour. Ah, yes. And then, of course, a lot of the women wearing national dress as well, which is these really punchy colours, uh, embroidered fabrics, stripy on top, checkered below. Uh, that's possibly the worst ever description of the national dress of Guatemala. So, welcome. Let's do some more exploring together as we discover what the already majestic and clear beauty of Guatemala has to offer oh by the way quick side note mega friendly people got a lot of hellos on the way up here even from the Rosas who said hola buenos dias love a bit of that feel proper safe Um I've got some money in my pocket and you know all right I'm slightly more cautious than I'd be in other parts of the world but so far I feel absolutely no threat whatsoever I doubt that would be the case if it was the small hours of the morning and we were in Guatemala City, and I was drunk. Wouldn't like to play that card, but this uh, this place really is, as far as I can see, really safe and really friendly for tourists. And uh, the coffee's rubbish, absolutely bloody awful. It's amazing, isn't it? I've been to Nicaragua many times. Uh, they grow loads of coffee, export it all around the world. The stuff they drink, absolute horseshit. And uh, Guatemala are very similar as well. They seem to export all the good stuff and uh, leave behind a few sachets of Nescafé. Bonkers. But there you go. I am on the quest for a better coffee and a fine beer later. I did spot already a Cervesa a local brewery, so I'll be popping down there. It's a hard life. 26 degrees now, and I've got to go and face drinking beer in the sunshine in a dilapidated old Spanish square. Oh, what can you do? Do feel sorry for me. I will say this though, in less than a week's time, I'll be in Toronto and it'll be minus six, and I'll be working my tits off. So you know, there's always a yang to a ying. If there's one thing they love in Latin America, it's religion and noise. And the two are very much bedfellows, as is proven here in Antigua, Guatemala. As I'm walking down the street, and here it is, about 7 p.m., maybe maybe 8 p.m. now. The sun's been down for a while. Temperature 20 degrees. Loads of people in the street, lots of them dressed up their finest suits and boots and ahead of me is a few hundred people during a march. And I'm fairly confident, although I can't see it yet, that somewhere along the way our old buddy Jesus will be involved. It's not Easter. I'm not sure the reasoning behind this one. Maybe just because it's Saturday night. quite ominous really, lots of people wearing suits, black tie, all walking, and they've got a lot of instruments that they've stopped playing for now. A couple of tubers, when I say a couple I mean, yeah, ten. Ten tubers, somewhere in the region of twenty trumpets, Whole bunch of French horns, big brass section, all wearing black suits, and they're proceeding down the road. There's a fair few hundred people around them. Hello, someone just felt my bum, but not in a good way. Um, No, it's a shepherd, of course, it was just a woman dressed as a shepherd holding a long rope. Um, And that's the first, if I'm honest. I've never had my bum felt by a shepherd. Welcome to Guatemala. Um, but she didn't mean to she was just trying to if I can try and describe this she's roped off the band or I don't know a hundred of them maybe hundred and twenty of them actually looking at it and she and her fellow shepherds are holding the ropes in place now I'm nearly at the front of the procession now and there's a lit up giant coffin gone a bit off it there in Mexico. session there are somewhere in the region of 70 people carrying a giant coffin and when i say giant it could hold probably a hundred people in there i'm guessing there's nothing in there on top of the coffin is an image of christ wearing a shimmering emerald gown Calling his cross. It's lit up by cherubs holding light bulbs. And a full band wandering down a cobbled street outside buildings from the 1500s. buildings is an office depot, handy for staples and other stationary supplies. see that? Blimey, that was incredibly loud. My ears are ringing. Um, they do love a bit of Jesus. Uh, so much so that they uh, paraded him down the street on a on a coffin that was probably somewhere in the region of a hundred times bigger than a normal coffin. That means that you could fit a hundred normal coffins in it, right? Yeah. I think that works. Um, and as they were wandering down the street uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, being quite troublesome in many ways because the cross he was holding uh, kept having to be put underneath cables, uh, phone cables, and possibly even power cables. So the solution to this was uh, a number of people, probably about five, were responsible for holding a giant garden fork and making sure that the cables were pushed up so that Jesus could slide underneath. What you have to say is the weirdest thing I've seen so far. What's your job? Oh, I um, I carry a giant fork. Um, on a stick because the fork's a lot long enough. Oh, why is that? Oh, because I have to push cables out of the way for a procession. You mean you push them up? Yeah, so Jesus can slide underneath. What? Why? Why? Because he's got a big cross and that sometimes get caught. Previously, we've had nightmares where Jesus and his cross will take out the phone system of a small neighbourhood. Yeah, no, I can, I can see why that's important. <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that. That was remarkable. 64 people holding up a giant coffin, swaying it around, some dressed as shepherds, most people in black, looking very somber. What's on top of the coffin? Jesus. What else is on top of there? A load of lit up cherubs. What's behind them? A marching band that for a moment paused. The drum, for example, is so big, it's on three wheels being wheeled by someone. And the guys with the cymbals, there's about 15 of them walking at the back. At the back of all that is a generator which is coming past me now, the generator has a large light on it and of course feeds power to the coffin to feed the light bulbs on the cherubs all around Jesus, and behind all of that is loads of people with brooms cleaning up all the shenanigans that has gone on, including some of the leaves and flowers that have been thrown down in the path of Jesus, oh behind I know, that's a truck. Get some laughing children welcome to Pana It's um, quite hard to say even the locals find it hard to say I think because they just call it Pana and if that's good enough for them then it's good enough for me Pana by Lake Atitlan now there's a few things that when you google or look through a guidebook for Guatemala you're going to find a few things that stick out that you have to do and let's be honest they're the things i'm doing it's, this isn't a particularly crazy trip it's quite crazy in the sense that it's uh, slightly more uh, off the beaten track than in some of the recent countries i've been to like for example Liechtenstein. i've only got uh, eight days in guatemala and belize which obviously isn't nearly enough but all of this is because i'm on my way to toronto and I just, I just try to cram in a quick, cheeky holiday. But because I'm not here for a long time, I can't, you know, buy a motorbike and hang out in all of the weird and wonderful spaces that I'd like to over a matter of a month. Hey, you can't grumble. It's a nice holiday. So, I'm at Lake Atitlan, which is a non-surprising place to be. You know, it's on the tourist trail. Now, having said that, because this is Guatemala, the tourist trail isn't exactly full of cheesy people holding up selfie sticks. You know, it is... It is a bit more uh, bit more of a travelling vibe, you know? A few people smelling of BO, much like myself, no doubt. Anyway, Lake Atitlan is the lake, and around it are a number of small towns, one of them being this one, Pana. This is one of the main towns. If you want to visit the other towns, you can get a little boat, which I did today, and go and check out some of the other towns around it. For example, today I got a boat to San Juan del Laguna, or San Juan of the Lake, and it's a really beautiful little town full of art, just loaded with art, absolutely bursting to the seams with street art and people making textiles, and uh, just color, 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 so exquisitely beautiful. You really should put it on your list of things to do if you're going to come here. San Juan del Laguna. Got the uh, the boat back now to Pana, and uh, it was an interesting experience, the boat, uh, mostly because um, it was full of sort of hairy traveler types Uh, in their 20s. It reminded me a lot of when I went around the world when I was about 26. Sort of everyone was roughly that age, give or take five years. And uh, I'm quite a lot older than that. So it was just interesting watching men chat up women, which is what was going on. Oh, where are you from? Oh, really? I've never been there. Oh, tell me about that. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Did you want to go for a beer tonight? That kind of thing. That was all happening around me on the uh, boat. So um, I think there's one Particularly happy man from Montreal that managed to pull someone uh, from Rio de Janeiro on that boat. What a beautiful thing that is! What a great story that will be. Much better than the modern day story, which is always we met on Tinder. <laughs> Boring. Um, so good for him. Now I'm living in a treehouse, obviously. So um, it's an Airbnb number, and it's forty-four pounds a day, or about I don't know forty dollars a day, American, and uh, is beyond exquisite. I mean, i am honestly for one of the luckiest guys ever. Um, it's absolutely massive. And the double bed could fit uh, probably everyone on that boat, actually. And there was about ten people on there. Um, I didn't put that as an offer. I, I didn't think it would go down that well. 46-year-old man saying, hey, kids, you all look like you're hot and sexy. Want to come back to my treehouse and hang out in my bed? Just, you know, there's thing's, things that you things that you don't do uh but it is massive and it is absolutely fantastic so i'm going to go in there now i'm going to catch up with you a bit more um tomorrow and the reason is uh, i'm barbecuing a chicken and um yeah i know well i've been eating out a lot and i've found this treehouse has got a barbecue and you know what could possibly go wrong about leaving an unattended barbecue halfway up a tree um while it's cooking chicken. Yeah, you get the idea. So really, I shouldn't be doing this at all, actually. So I'll catch up with you tomorrow, and we'll have a good chat then. But just to let you know, that's where I am. Things are going well. And, uh, you know, don't worry about me. Everything's fine. You know, because I know you do worry. And uh, yes, of course I'm changing my socks. And yes, I'm washing under my armpits and behind my ears. And I'm trying to be a good boy. Sorry, done it again. Just mixed up my podcasting audience with my mother. This treehouse seems to still be in order, so I'll go up there now, past the crickets and the beautifully elegant garden full of tropical flowers and banana trees, and small fake candles dotted around some tables for other guests of these various treehouses, all of which seem to be empty, apart from mine. I haven't met anyone yet, but let's go up, serve up my chicken, and I'll chat to you tomorrow. Funny old life, isn't it? One minute you're on a boat, watching people chat themselves up. The next thing you're barbecuing a chicken in a treehouse. Good old Guatemala. Hello there. So the last thing you heard was me having a chicken dinner, which turned out to be a winner winner. I left Lake Atitlan um, reluctantly because it was absolutely gorgeous and I only spent two nights there. But I'm on a bit of a tight schedule, which is slightly annoying me, actually, because I know that I'm missing a load of stuff. But I was determined today to come to a city that was off the beaten trail, because I didn't. it's too easy when you've only got a certain amount of days just to do what all the tourists are doing and tick off all the things that everyone sees. But actually, as I may have made this point before, nearly always on these trips, the best thing to do is go and hang out in a town you've never heard of and just see what happens. I'm liking it a lot, a lot. It's called, let me just check because I've forgotten, uh, Koban. Koban. Yeah, so I've got a seven-hour bus from Lake Atitlan to Coban, uh, which was uh, incredibly mountainous. If this was any developed country, that seven-hour bus would have taken pff, an hour and a half. Um, but it's just the fact that you've got to go through every single valley and then around every mountain. And this country, I now realise, is a very mountainous country. And I also see why its uh, original name, Guatemala, comes from the indigenous words that were place of many trees. Slightly boring as names go for places, but it is bang on accurate. It doesn't off sound good as well, Guatemala. War. Love it. I've always wanted to come to this country. I've spent too much time near it, but never actually in it. Um, not many people like me, particularly not many people like me late at night wandering down a side road trying to get away from traffic. This could be my last moment if there's a gunman down here, but, um, that brings me, that sarcastic bullshit brings me to safety. Look, maybe it's a false sense of security, I don't know, but it feels unbelievably safe here, unless you're really in the wrong place at the wrong time, i.e. Guatemala City, um, perhaps drunk with a camera around your neck, you're probably gonna be all right. I'm having a beer, wandering the streets, and I mean, yeah, everyone's looking at me because I don't look like the average locals, but they're all mega friendly. Actually, that brings me on to the next point. Let's have a quick recap. Loads of trees, loads of mountains, friendly people. My God, lots of hellos and lots of how are yous all day from just randoms on the side of the road. And I really like the thing that, you do see this in other countries as well, when you're in a restaurant and someone else comes in, they obviously greet the owner of the restaurant and the staff. They also just greet me and whoever else is sitting around, and then when they go, they do a goodbye to the whole restaurant. I like it, it's kind of funky. It makes me feel less isolated, really, because sometimes when you're in these places and you're like me, not great Spanish, you do feel a bit like, hello, could somebody notice me? <laughs> so it's, it's really nice. Last night, after uh, just before my chicken dinner actually, not that chronology really matters on a podcast, let's not get hung up on it. But um, I went shopping and I bought a shirt. I really like some of the clothing here because they are aware that their national dress, which you see a lot of women wearing, might be a little bit much to take home. So what they've done for us tourist types, they've amalgamated elements of the tapestry that is local to Guatemala into slightly more western shirt so I've got a funky shirt with like a Guatemalan trim to it. I really like it. What, some, what Something that struck me and it's it's not the first time is just how familiar you become with the concept of being served by children. I don't know where the owners of the shop were but the son was there that day. He was eight and I was haggling with an eight year old because um, you do haggle here. Perfectly normal. I, and I did, I think, would you haggle more with an eight-year-old, or less, by the way? Like, if it was an adult running a shop and you found the shirt overpriced, and it was culturally normal, which it is here, to have a little haggle, would you feel more comfortable, and would you haggle more with an older person, or an eight-year-old? Do email me, let me know. Uh, is it easier to haggle with an eight-year-old? For some reason, I thought, this is weird, and it sort of, the whole process weirded me out, and I didn't haggle that much. So it cost me uh, about $11 for a shirt, which of course is a bargain, but I did notice there was one down the road for six, so I might have been done last night by an eight-year-old. But the concept of being served by kids is just a sort of normality, really. And the other thing is, if they're not old enough to serve you, they'll still be there. So, for example, the seven-hour bus trip today stopped a couple of times at random stops along the road to get some water and what have you. And every shop that me and my fellow passengers went in, there was always at least one, maybe two screaming babies behind the counter. It made me think a lot about how we in the West treat parenthood. For a start, transport, right? Here, chuck it on a motorbike without without a helmet, no problem. Not saying it's a great idea, but it is the given, right? What about in the West? Oh, well, you're going to need not only a car, you're going to need, if you're in North America, you'll be slightly looked down upon unless you've got an SUV with the necessary car seats which by the way expire I mean that's a scam isn't it expire expire within a couple of years what is that about right so then you've got all that and then the collectivization of parenthood is completely different so here of course it's acceptable to have a screaming baby in your shop but whereas of course you couldn't dream of running a shop with a screaming baby in at home So we end up in a situation where having a kid here is just not much of a big deal. In the West, if you want to go out for the evening and you've got a kid, then you can't legally leave that kid until I think it's 13, right? Depending on the country you're in. And then even when you do leave them, there's a sort of air of worry and panic and of course they're they're going to need a phone and you're going to need to check in and so on and so forth. But most of the time, of course, you're going to pay quite good money, by the way, for a babysitter. Whereas here, of course, that problem is eradicated because there's always someone you can just throw your kid in with next door. Or indeed, when the kids get old enough, and old enough seems to me to be about sort of seven or eight, then those kids can quite happily look after their younger siblings. (laughs) Almost on cue, a kid who's just learnt to ride a bike rides past with his brothers it's pitch black they don't have phones they're in a side street in guatemala with some english guy with a beer the brothers are looking after them so it seems to me that we seem to have completely made having children in the west more expensive and more difficult than it needs to be now using those examples if we go back from them that doesn't mean to say i think we shouldn't have child seats i don't think in London we should wedge a kid between two people on a moped and just hope for the best. I'm not saying that but I am saying there's some very interesting lessons. We could learn something from that. Parenthood in the West is now becoming so difficult and so expensive as a result of, the, of all these things that a lot of people are choosing not to do it. And for the world population, if we really want a helicopter zoom out of this, right, for the world population, that's actually really good. We don't really need that many more people, thanks very much. We're already cocking this up quite nicely with eight billion. I, I, I'm not saying, oh, everyone should have a kid and we should make it much easier. I just think I think, I think what I'm saying is this. It upsets me that more parents in the West don't have more fun, yeah? That don't, more parents in the West don't feel more free just because they've done something That we've all been doing for millennia since our very existence began and that is procreating i don't want to procreate i'm just saying that people that do procreate it would be nice if in the west they had more fun and they felt more free wouldn't it be nice if people in the west could enjoy themselves after (laughs) the 10 minutes of the act of procreation for the next 20 years a little bit more than they do currently there you go that's my thought Oh, you never know what I'm going to come up with next. I was just passed the shop where they were making tortillas. It's a very common sight here. It's their staple. And um, they were just slapping them together. It's really nice. Just All you need to do is get some corn flour, a bit of water, squash it down. Get Next thing you know, um, you can usually pad it out with your hands and make a nice circle, pop it on a really hot surface. And before you know it, you've got yourself a hot tortilla and that becomes the basis for pretty much everything you can imagine including of course our old buddy the taco what a beautiful thing that is so i'm going to wander around this town listening to dogs bark and people make tortillas and all the hustle and bustle of a slightly bizarre off the beaten track city actually i say it's slightly bizarre it's not it's not in the least bit bizarre this is probably exactly uh, a, the most typical example certainly that i've seen of a guatemalan town so far it feels slightly bizarre to me because i think that everywhere i've been has just been ever so slightly too touristy yeah i finally feel the culture shock that i've wanted for some time now here in coban a uh, quite chilly city by comparison to many others because we're quite high in the mountains now and uh, i'm wandering around with a big sweater on and i believe we're going to climb a little bit more as well to get to flores and that is the. Essentially, the kicking off point for one of the most spectacular things here in Guatemala. It's a Mayan ruin. For those that have had the luck to go to uh, Cancun and south of Cancun, you've probably done some of those uh, Mayan ruins. The ruin that is Tikal. (whistles) Jesus Christ. What did that achieve? Hello. I think I've now discovered why David Attenborough speaks in that voice. That voice. Here. Because um you do feel an overwhelming need to be quiet when you're in the rainforest um which is where i am right now so forgive me if i sound a little bit hello but um it's just a really beautiful place and it's also not mine yeah i feel a bit of a imposter as a human being we've already had enough negative effects on this earth without us coming in and shouting our mouth off in the jungle so that's why i'm going to be a little bit quiet You will hear some birds and what have you, Um, you might even hear a very distant cry of a tourist, (laughs) the lesser spotted tourist, Um, because I'm not that far from a tourist site, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but first, if you hear this, um, it's a howler monkey, which is quite likely, because I just heard one before I started recording this. they're called howler monkeys for a good reason they honestly do sound like that and um, there's quite a lot of them here in the dense rainforest of Guatemala so let me tell you what's been happening Um, the last recording the last thing you heard on this dare I say award winning podcast (laughs) was um (laughs) it's good to be humble was me in the town of Coban Now, from there, I took a a seven-and-a-half-hour minibus north, mostly north, which, I have to be honest, really wasn't that enjoyable. Um, The first bit was all right, but, oh, man, did my bum go dead after a while. Um, And I arrived in a town called Flores, which I advise you to look at if you've got a minute and you're not driving. Have a quick look at Flores on a map, Flores, Guatemala, Um, named not after the flowers, actually named after someone called Flores that used to live there, and it's a tiny little island in a beautiful lake, and it's full of lovely old dusty colonial architecture. But it's um, it's the tourist spot to go and you know sleep, live, and then branch off and go to where I currently am, which again I'll talk about that in a minute. So first up, let's talk about Flores. Flores, beautiful little town. Really gorgeous, surrounded by lake. Very small island, a couple of square kilometres only, so you can't get lost. It was slightly expensive for Guatemala, but really good quality restaurants. Had steak last night, steak and grilled shrimp. Oh my goodness, I'm such a lucky bastard. I'm so sorry. It's nearly over, don't worry, I won't continue having this amount of fun forever. Um, it was interesting driving to Flores because I really felt like I was in proper Guatemala going through lots and lots of dusty little towns and at one point had to get on a ferry to cross a river. And it really, actually, it felt a lot like a lot like parts of Africa in that it's quite forgotten internationally. And it's poor, really poor. Lots of women washing their clothes in the rivers. Um, speaking of rivers, they haven't actually built a lot of the bridges that would have been built if this was other parts of the world. So, for example, at one point the minibus I was on had to stop and get on a ferry and then be uh, a very short distance over a river to get to the other side. So it really feels like you're off the beaten track, even though essentially that's the trunk main road to this part of Northern Guatemala. So it's got a long way to go, but that again, let's be really clear about this. That is the charm of these places. You know, you could come in and say, oh, I can't believe the, there was a woman on the bus and she kept saying, oh, I can't believe the grading of this road. This wouldn't be allowed in America. Yeah, I know. Oh, that corner's dangerous. There's not even any paint on the road. Who's got right of way? I know. It's like going back in time as well as travelling to a beautiful place. Um, And there's a lot of reasons for that. I won't go into it now, but basically, in a nutshell, very common story with a lot of Central American countries, Civil War, put it back. What was Civil War all about? In a nutshell, socialist leaning. Americans didn't like it. Cold War shenanigans. Worried about everyone turning communist, um, popped in the CIA, uh, murdered the guy that was running the place. Um, A lot of people liked that guy and his ideas, a lot of people didn't like that guy and his ideas. What do you get? Civil war. How long did that civil war go on for? Over 30 years. So it's absolutely catastrophic in the lives and the happiness of course of people until the Berlin Wall came down and then um, things changed really common story in um other parts of of latin america as well so it's behind but again that is the beauty of it it has that charm um and it has a really notable underlying level of happiness because everyone's on essentially the same level and as previously discussed in other podcasts if you want unhappiness Introduce disparity. Introduce lots of people that are earning lots of money, and lots of people that are earning not lots of money, and you get disparity. And disparity is usually the catalyst for a great deal of unhappiness. It would appear to me, and perhaps this is a little naive, because I am sure there is lots of rich people here in Guatemala, but it would appear that most people are, you know, in the in the same boat, which is quite far down the poverty scale, and that has a great feeling of camaraderie and community, which is really good for you know looking after children I've got a lot of time for Guatemala and I've got a lot of time for people that have had to go through civil war um, and I've just got the deepest of respects with how they are so positive in their life today so that's that now that's all very well but why am I standing in the jungle whispering about the history of Guatemala why Flores so as previously discussed gorgeous little town on a lake absolutely well worth the visit in its own right, but it happens to be the drop-off point for all the tourists that come through Guatemala, because pretty much every tourist that comes through Guatemala sees the jewel in the crown of what Guatemala has to offer in the way of history and architecture, all wrapped into one, and that is where I am now, Tikal, T-I-K-A-L. The Mayan ruins. These things were discovered in 1848 by a couple of guys that were walking through and thought, hey, these big lumpy mountains look a bit human-y. Why are they so lumpy? And why are they so steep? We should probably brush a bit of dirt off and have a little look at it. Holy shit, would you believe it? We've just uncovered a ruin. A lot later, it was recognised as a site of humanity's heritage by our good old pals, UNESCO, and that was in 1979. Tick out in Mayan means... In the lagoon, um, which is, is there a lagoon? Mayan, let's not forget, still prevalently spoken by lots of people here in Guatemala. But it's still known as the place of the spirit voices. The Mayan civilization dates back way before old Jesus started doing his magic tricks, about 800 BC and um it it lived pretty well for the best part of 2000 years it died out in 900 AD they think that this was finished around 750 AD um or i mean it took over a 1000 years to build so during their entire reign they were working on it a great deal of Mayan culture was wiped out and forgotten so what is it well it is spectacular and i really mean that i've taken a little walk off now into the woods or well, i say the woods the proper dense jungle I'm from Britain, so everything's the woods to me, but, yeah, you don't see a lot of toucans in Britain or howler monkeys, so I think this is definitely jungle. Actually, every now and then, I I hear a cracking branch, and that's usually a monkey. I'm fairly convinced soon I'm going to see one around me. I'm really looking forward to that time. I'm also... Ever so slightly scared. And I think I need a cuddle. Alright. So what is Tikal? Well, first of all, it's a collection of ruins. Mostly, but not exclusively, pyramids. These were used for all kinds of worship. And there's living quarters here as well for the people that are a little bit more affluent that could afford stone walls. How big is it? Absolutely immense in fact they think the entire place and they're still discovering buildings today is 65 square kilometers it's just so big and to get here from Flores I rented a motorbike and I drove up to what I thought was Tikal I had to get off the motorbike and get the ticket and I was already in dense jungle it was at that point once I got the ticket he said you have to drive for another 17 kilometers and keep your speed low because you don't want to hit a Jaguar um which I thought he was joking but um he definitely wasn't, uh, so I didn't hit a Jaguar, and I kept my speed low. Um, 17 kilometres 17 of complete and utter dense jungle later, you come in to an opening. You park your bike, you get off. Of course, if you want to get a tourist truck, you can do that too, of course. There's lots of tours from Flores if you're interested in doing this, and some you can get driven around the ruins, which I'm not sure I really like that, but whatever, and some you can walk around. Um, but I got off my bike having gone through this amazing jungle and went into the clearing and you're greeted by a real mixture, so obviously there's some spectacular massive stone structures obviously, but actually one of the things I really like about it and I didn't expect is they're still uncovering buildings today and I mean it like absolutely literally, as I speak there's some blue tarpaulins on one of the buildings in the far far distance about a kilometre away through the jungle and they're teams of people are uncovering it and it makes you realize that when this was discovered having been left alone for over a thousand years it must have been really hard to even discover the amount of dirt that's collected on some of these buildings is so much they're completely unrecognizable there's two temples that they've remained covered and it actually gives you a really good glimpse into what it must have looked like when these guys discovered it because all those years ago all they would have seen is some mounds. Really, that's it. Not even the glimpse of a stone stair sticking out. It would be very unlikely. Life is teeming here in the jungle and trees are shedding all the time and rebirthing and animals are doing droppings and things are constantly evolving. So as ground shifts and new ground is created, these structures were completely and utterly lost. And one of the beauties, even in the Grand Square, where two temples face each other, probably somewhere in the region of 50 metres tall each, the Temple of the Grand Jaguar and Temple II in the Grand Plaza, surrounded by acropolypses. Acropolypses, not sure if that's plural. Acropoli. <laughs> if you look at those amazing structures which have been cleared of grass and are now open to tourists taking their photographs, around them are still what appear to be just big lumps amazing temples still covered all this time later and still to be discovered and still today they're dusting off new faces that are coming out of this stonework including fairly recently they just uncovered a rain god a giant rain god preserved deep in the ground he is now being carved out so the ground around him has been exposed and you can actually get a good glimpse of his huge stone face and they presume there are other gods still beneath the earth in fact recent technology lidar lidar has really started teaching at humanity about what's gone on here in guatemala Long before the Spanish conquistadors arrived in Guatemala, the land was ruled by various Mayan kingdoms. Loads of evidence of these pre-Columbian civilizations has come about now thanks to LIDAR, essentially a radar attached to a plane that goes over and can detect through the earth structures. And you're not gonna believe this, there's 5,000 archeological sites here in Guatemala alone making this just a truly spectacular country when it comes to looking at the history. Sorry, I'm getting quite excited. I might even wake up a monkey in a minute, but it does actually make me so happy to be here. 21 indigenous Mayan communities each boast their own language, and many are still widely used. We don't know what exact Mayan language was spoken back here, but we do know that this place was certainly used for rituals. And we know this because as you walk through, I've got my map here, As you walk through, you can actually see all the various altars in which they will have killed everything from, I'm I'm pretty sure, monkeys to babies. I mean, I think everything was fair game. I know years ago, 20-odd years ago, I went to um, southern Mexico uh, to Chichen Itza. In those days, you used to be able to climb it. Uh, By the way, you can still climb the ones here mostly, but I know that Chichen Itza, I think, is the biggest Mayan ruin in the world. Um... Yeah, 20 odd years ago I was there and and I remember going on a tour and they said there were these amazing things, cenotes, which is a huge hole in the earth filled with water, essentially a giant well. And when they drained them in the 80s and 90s, they found thousands of corpses of various things from animals to babies, loads of them. And it would appear, I'm going to walk as I talk, it would appear that what was going on was rituals rituals where you would offer your kid reluctantly I assume to the gods as a gift and they'd be sometimes mutilated as far as I'm aware on those altars I did speak to someone earlier and I, you have to forgive me because I haven't researched this in full so I don't know if this is true but he said that some considered it an honour um, I'm not sure how we know this but he he made the point that some people would give up their children with thinking of it as an honour to the gods so Tikal a wonderful stone city lost in time and jungle that's relatively recently and indeed still being uncovered well worth a look oh I can see a monkey even walking through the jungle now I mean if this was anywhere in the world I wouldn't be able to do this but there's just stone structures only I can see I can, if I wanted to, walk on them. and You can just about make out some of the carvings in the stone that's been slowly eroded over time. Lots of faces, it would appear. Who are they? What do they mean? And who carved them? I don't know. But I'd love to go back in time and see these being these huge stones being hauled by the masses of the Mayans to make a world that they would never see. Civilization is only a true civilization. When someone plants the seeds for a tree in which he will never catch the shade. Oh, I'm getting too deep and philosophical. Time to go and buy a bag of crisps from the fat man. I think that's what I'm gonna do now. Yes, the West is here. If you want a pack of Doritos, if it all gets a bit much, then that's, that's fine too. Brighton, where I'm from, has many buildings that date back over a thousand years. Amazing to think that at the same time that People were chucking shit out of windows in Lewis, in Sussex. Paganism, long since taken over by Christianity. Here, on the other side of the world, they were building pyramids, which are now beautiful in their moss-covered glory, surrounded by every imaginable tree. An absolutely endless jungle. I've just been up to the highest possible building which you can still climb today there's a wooden staircase that goes around it till you get to the top and you can look out over endless jungle only very occasionally interrupted by a giant stone building looking back at you from the grand plaza and the building that I just went to the highest of all is actually a celebration of taking over a local tribe the leader was so happy with himself for taking over a land and expanding his empire that he got a wooden lintel with his own face relieved in it to be above the door that is the very top of the temple so we assume that he lived in it we also now know that some of these are mausoleums some people are buried in some of them obviously the elite of the day But this guy would look out over the jungle, past the howler monkeys and look at the other pinnacles of his empire and sit back knowing that he was the Mac Daddy. Outside one of the temples now, known as the Big Jaguar, 47 metres, built around 700 by the governor, his name Jasor Khan Kawai, otherwise known as Mr. Coco. Which, by the way, can we just spend a moment? First of all, I have absolutely no idea how anyone knows his full name, and I love the fact he had a nickname. He sounds like a problem-solver, doesn't he? Oh, my kid's ill. Go and see Mr. Coco. Um, He, Mr. Coco, was uh, discovered inside the temple. So, it appears that some, not all, of these structures are, in fact, much like the pyramids... Not that I've been, in Egypt. There's a Spanish guy doing a tour ahead of me. Just going to walk past him now. There's a kid as well, a little kid. He's bored. Told you they were friendly. Uh, Kids are bored. To most people, this collection, this huge collection of temples, observatories and altars is really a unique once in a lifetime experience and it doesn't really matter who you are or where you're from it will certainly take your breath away but not if you're a kid because kids don't care and I don't blame them I mean there's no Disney World is it? <laughs> they'd probably like it more if there was a I don't know a pink princess on top or some other shit pushed by Disney but um, I have great respect for the parents who brought them here in retrospect, Mr. Coco probably wasn't much of a problem solver. Unless, of course, your problems are solved by a quick beheading. But, you know, we were doing we were doing that in England too. Who doesn't like a quick, cheeky beheading every now and then? Particularly women, who uh, were just randomly accused of being witches. <sighs> it was a different time, different time. Going to make my way now to the exit. Uh, If you want to come to Tikal, it's going to cost you about 18 US dollars to get in, and it is absolutely worth every penny. I actually think that's really reasonable. Once you're in, you won't spend any money. Bring some water, usual stuff. You've got your big panties on, you know what you're doing. But um, after that, you will need a beer. So my next plan is to get on the motorbike, do a few miles, and then go for a very light beer somewhere in a jungle village before heading back to Flores back there tonight in a really nice hotel with a pool I know, not my usual standard but uh, I'm not complaining You have been listening to me Vinny, talking about the beautiful country that is Guatemala 18 million people in the Central American country, full of trees and steeped in history. It is an absolutely beautiful place, and I highly recommend it, very, very highly. Historically, has had absolutely immense problems with corruption, meddling from the United States, and some truly evil fruit companies. But it seems to be turning its luck around very slowly, and although there are still problems, it is absolutely, definitely worth a visit. Now, I am off to Belize, not for long, unfortunately. I've only got a couple of days there, but I'll pack in what I can, including a trip to an island with absolutely no motor vehicles on it. So that sounds pretty damn relaxing. I'll be having some of that. Um, drop me a line. It would be nice to hear from you. My name is Vinnie. You can find contact details at vinnywhite.co.uk. Vinny is spelt in a weird way, V-I-N-N-E-Y white.co.uk. If you're listening to this roughly when it came out, then happy Christmas and a happy new year to you. And if you're listening to this as part of the back catalogue at a completely different time, that that makes no sense whatsoever, then, uh, then happy day to you. Next stop is Belize. There will be a podcast from there, so look in your feed for that. Right now, though, I'll leave you with the national anthem of Guatemala and because it gets a bit boring... I'll cut it off and replace it with the sound of an actual howler monkey. Not me doing a howler monkey, a genuine howler monkey. Alright? I bet you didn't know that you'd be listening to a tiny little slice of the Guatemalan national anthem followed by a howler monkey today, but that is apparently what you're doing. And I think you've made a great decision doing it. Big love, speak to you soon, drop me a line. Ta ta. This was mixed and produced in the UK by WeMakePodcasts.uk